Welcome back, everyone. We are Simply Bitcoin. We break down the news, the daily fail, meme review, software releases, hardware releases, and the pleb sites. Joining us today, we've got the founder of btcpolicy.org and head of policy at Bitcoin Magazine. I am talking about David Zell. David, thank you very much for joining the fellow plebs on Simply Bitcoin. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And uh, former head of policy at Bitcoin Magazine. So (laughs) stepped down from that role to do BPI, but worked there for about a year. Oh, I apologize. I apologize. I, I, I misread on the on the profile. Let's hope, let's hope I don't make any more mistakes like that. All right. We're going to dive into the numbers. Let's do it, people. Number time. Brought to you by Noddle. They make some of the best Bitcoin nodes, like the one I'm holding in my hand. The Noddle Dojo. It's in red. That means it's faster. It's made of metal. That means it's, look, Bitcoin ASMR. Run your own version of Bitcoin Core and the Lightning Network all in the comfort of your own home. Remember, guys, if you don't run your own Bitcoin node like the Noddle, you're trusting someone else's. That's a big no-no for privacy. So get yourself a Bitcoin node today like the Noddle. At the time of this recording, the block height is 739031 The Bitcoin price, 30250 Chain rewrite days, 774 Total public Lightning capacity, 3923.28 Moscow time, 33.06. Blocks to the happening, 100,969. And the Samurai Whirlpool unspent capacity. Samurai Whirlpool is a coin join or collaborative spend. It is not a mixing service. And the unspent capacity from that pool is 4,758.36. Nico, the insane really uneventful numbers <laughs> dude I, bitcoin is the new stable coin i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep reiterating that every single day uh but yeah i mean it is what it is it's never it's always a good time to stack especially when we're going sideways anyways we're gonna do a bit of a reaction today we're gonna talk a little bit about the economy from the bitcoiners perspective of course um, this this actually was a pretty big deal. This is uh, Jamie Dimon. He is the CEO of JP Morgan. I might add, this is a Jamie Dimon also that said, I will never buy Bitcoin. And then, you know, he capitulated it and, he's, and JP Morgan started offering Bitcoin services and whatnot. But anyways, let's see what he has to say. Let's check it out. It's a hurricane. It's we, Right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks the, the Fed can handle this. That hurricane is right out there down the road coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy or uh, yeah, Sandy or, or uh, Andrew or something like that. And it's, you, you better brace yourself. It's a hurricane. So how did we get here, right? Um, well, very simple. And this is a, this is a resource that I, I point to you guys a lot, and I'm going to keep pointing to it. Because it's it's look they tell you this they tell you themselves, um, what happened? Uh, why didn't we feel uh, the consequences of shutting down small businesses, shutting down entire economies? You know, to and again, I'm not really going to get into the, the the virus procedure whether it was a correct move, whether it was a bad move. But at the end of the day, we didn't really feel the impact of that. Why didn't we really feel the impact of that? Well, the Fed flooded the market with liquidity, right? And this is really what it is. We have never printed this much money. Uh, this go, this chart goes all the way back to 1959. But obviously, what are the consequences of printing this much money? Inflation, right? You know, as much as they would like you to believe it was transitory, it was never going to happen. Look. If you look at history, this always happens, right? Um, so the Fed's in a tough spot. What did they do? They started trying to reverse that, right? They started, they, they, they announced recently that they are raising rates, right? That they are starting to sell assets off their balance sheet for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, the way that they print money is something called the Mandrick mechanism. And it's very fancy kosher type of way to justify the printing of money and the basically how it works right is the fed just doesn't just they just don't print money what they do is that they sell bonds to the open market right people buy those bonds and then with the purchases of bonds that's how they that's how they justify the printing of new money however 
no country or sovereign wealth fund or anything or private institution has the money <laughs> to purchase all those bonds. So what do they do? They purchase it, they purchased them themselves, right? And this really started, this experiment started in 2008, 2009, which is roughly around the same time that Bitcoin was created. And Satoshi knew, it's in the Genesis block, says Chancellor on the, on the brink of the second bailout for banks. Satoshi Nakamoto knew that they were going to continue printing money. And that's exactly what they did. Last time, uh, under the Trump administration, they tried to reverse course. It caused the repo market crisis. Don't confuse that with the reverse repo market crisis that is happening right now, right? So again, here is the Fed, right, attempting to reverse course in order to pull, you know, to pull in, to rein in that inflation. However, what happens when you stop printing money in an economy that is addicted to the financial equivalent of heroin because that's what it is what happens to an economy when all this fictitious money just stops like an addict they start to have withdrawals right and that is what jamie diamond is describing now the question is here because the keynesian the keynesians would say listen and you heard uh christine lagarde say this right in the video we played you about a week ago right um, what would have happened if, um, if, you know, we didn't print all that money in the world's economy, right? It would have been devastating. But here's the thing, devastating to who, right? Because with all that money printing, what we saw was in literally the largest wealth redistribution in history from the poor to the rich in the last two years, because it was really the rich that had their money in hard assets like real estate like equities right and everybody else got significantly poor right it remember guys inflation the official inflation rate which is you know highly questionable the official cpi was roughly around eight percent right if you're not making more than eight percent in salary than you were last year you are poor right and that's the official inflation rate that's not the you know, the actual energy food cost, which is more like 15, 20%. If you look at real estate, it's up 40, 45 to 50% in the last two years. And what is that because? Because of the money printing, because of that chart that I showed you. So did they cause this impending hurricane that Jamie Dimon is referring to? It looks like it's self-inflicted to me. Um, the Austrians would have said, yeah, there's normal, there's normal market cycles, you know, because there was a global pandemic, you know, we would have gone down, but because through that downturn in the economy, new companies would have been born. But the Keynesians believe that, you know, that the whole too big to fail idea. The point is, is that, yeah, like th this is a uh, very scary stuff. I, I don't think Bitcoin's going to be spared in terms of price. I think everything is going to be hurt. Um, I think just Bitcoin is going to be spared the least out of everything. Um, so, David, what are your thoughts on this? Um, are you kind of thinking the same thing? What are your thoughts on JB Diamond's comments? Uh, do you believe in the Keynesian way of, of dealing with market cycles? Or are you more on the Austrian side? Yeah, I'm not a huge like macro expert <clears throat> by any stretch of the imagination. But what I am is kind of fundamentally an empiricist. Uh, and just looking at uh, the way that the Fed has behaved, I mean, even from like the Volcker era, like tracing that on to now, uh, it's kind of clear that uh, the Fed kind of plays the same game over and over again, where they inject all of this liquidity to try to stave off a crisis. And then it winds up having all of these consequences that, uh, you know, put politely were uh you know, underappreciated and, you know, more likely were totally known and just they didn't care about. I think Diamond is a, you know, wonderful example of someone who went on the record, like publicly mocking and laughing at Bitcoin to, like you mentioned, uh, ultimately capitulating. Um, as far as like where the economy and the macro environment now is headed, it's super hard to tell. I have no idea. I'm not really any particular source of knowledge there, but I do find it interesting that you know, there are sort of all sorts of things that have created this like perfect storm to kind of continue his metaphor. 
Uh, and it's led to a lot of like sort of absolutist debates where you've got <clears throat> like Bitcoiners and other macro people who say, well, this is obviously just the massive amounts of money printing that happened at the onset of COVID. Then you've got the people who say, well, no, it's actually supply chain issues caused by COVID. And then, of course, you've got the Ukraine war. I think the reality is that it's kind of like all of those, like all three of those things do create like inflationary pressures, uh, you know, and it seems to me like if I had to sort of proffer that we have yet to fully see the negative impact of that confluence of events. But, you know, that's just my humble opinion. I really don't know. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Do you think it was worth it? Are you on the side of not to put you on the spot, but do you think um, do you do you agree with a lot of said, which is really Keynesian economics? Do you agree with them in the sense that this this money printing softened the blow, so to speak, from the potential mayhem that would have been caused by, you know, the shutting down of economies because as a res- as a response to the pandemic, do you, do you believe that it was worth it? So I feel like that's two separate questions. Uh, do I think that like, you know, printing money and like you know, distributing money to American citizens, like sort of blunted some of the immediate blows of the pandemic? Uh, probably that seems intuitive, but the question of whether or not it was worth it, uh, I think that's pretty much an obvious no. I mean, you know, we'll have to wait and see, uh, but I think it's kind of impossible to answer, at least in good faith, because, you know, with something like this, you get whatever benefits there are immediately and upfront, and the consequences are often lagging behind, are less clear and easy to tie to that action. But I think in terms of magnitude and scope of impact uh, will likely be uh, pretty substantially negative. And then it'll just kind of be, up to people to weigh the benefits and the drawbacks. But my intuitive gut check is that, yeah, it probably helped in the beginning and we'll probably pay for it, you know, uh, at scale and orders of magnitude more severely later down the line. I mean, that's sort of what all of this, this project is of injecting liquidity. Like you are sort of kicking the can down the road, uh, but you're, you're ultimately making more, you're making the ultimate problem like larger. Uh, and so this kind of, uh, it's just math. Like we can't keep doing this forever. It's going to come to a head. Uh, and when it does it, you know, people will be able to look back and ask if those sort of moments of reprieve were really worth it. Absolutely. Phil, what are your thoughts on this? Was it worth it? My friend, I know, I know you're, you're the one that originally recommended me the book that I got a lot of this information from (laughs) the creature from Jekyll Island. So was it worth it? So I look, I you know what? I, I have to agree with David's point, right? In terms of the near term, right? Uh, the the band-aid, but but the band-aid doesn't stop the entire limb from bleeding, right? It, it just it just kind of stops a small portion. Um but really what I wanted to touch on was the uh, the the point that that David made about how you know, this has happened before. This is an old playbook, right? The the economy starts to get wonky. They inject a bunch of liquidity. All of a sudden, everything seems like the, the skies, you know, the skies are blue. Everything is rosy. And then all of a sudden, prices start to go out of control. People can't seem to maintain. And boom, we need to bring in, you know, we need to bring in, uh, you know, a sterner measures. We need to bring down the interest rate. You know, we need to bring up interest rates and stave off the economy, right? And then... And we go through this cycle over and over again. What's funny, though, what's funny is that I, I believe that we showed an interview last week with George Georgiova Kirk. I don't remember her, her last name or Christine Lagarde. I'm not really sure which it was, one. It was Christine Lagarde. It was. It Christine was Christine Lagarde. Lagarde. Yeah. Okay, where, where she actually where she actually said that they didn't realize that printing all of this money was going to have this effect. That that makes no sense at all because. That's literally what these institutions do. They create money out of thin air and then they dump it into the system, essentially giving it to their cronies and their friends. And it's just absolutely hypocritical nonsense. So it's just I, I just find that funny, right? That, that that's what she said. But yet here we are going through literally the same cycle we've gone through uh, a dozen times before. I'd like to say 100, but I don't really have any anything behind that. But I can say dozens. Can we finally break that cycle with Bitcoin, Phil? What do you think? You know what? I, I'd like it if we did. I, I'd like it if we did break that cycle with Bitcoin. But the honest to God truth is, is that, and we've said this before because we, you know, we, we're a Bitcoin channel. We're not about just, you know, selling hopium. 
it's going to be an uphill battle because it is definitely going to involve changing a lot of our behaviors and the way that we look at things. Uh, Bitcoin introduces low time preference, um, you know, which essentially which essentially eventually prompts a person to realize that the, the money that they're spending today on the item of lower quality or the service of lower quality or whatever it may be, uh, may be better served if they save it and accrue the value from storing in Bitcoin. Yeah. So I, I think that I, I think that it's not going to be overnight. I think there's going to be a lot of turbulence on the way. Um, and I, I think that we, to a certain extent, don't know exactly what we're going to see. I, I think that it's somewhat unpredictable. The only part that we can say is it's going to be difficult for some. It's going to be easier for others. And we're going to have to see where the chips fall. Yep, we're going to have to see. All I know is that David is in the vanguard, and he is definitely going to re receive the blunt of that turbulence. Uh, that's the job of 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 the uh the bitcoin policy institute there's a couple <laughs> others i got confused but anyways phil it's time for the daily fail brought to you by swan check them out swanbitcoin.com that's right it is the best way to build your bitcoin stack they've got automated bitcoin savings plans instant purchases they've got an app on the way it is a bitcoin stacking site by fellow plebs check them out the link is down below as Nico alluded to, we are not getting into any social issues, okay, because it does say the hashtag on the screen, but that's not what this thread is about, okay? So this thread is from Walker America. For the people who don't know uh, who Walker is, he's half of the crypto couple. I suggest everybody go follow that account. They make absolutely amazing content, awesome signal, super funny. They are great. Anyways, we're going to dive into this awesome thread from walker and i thought that this was hilarious because it's it's essentially a bunch of no coiner copium okay and 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 what that what copium means to the people that that are not spending their time in bitcoin 24 7 is essentially people coping with the fact that they didn't they didn't discover Bitcoin early enough or they just don't understand Bitcoin. So they're frustrated or they understand it and they hate it because they think they weren't here early enough because they don't understand it. So they don't realize that they're still early. So around and around it goes and it's all about the cope. So let's dive into some of these no coiner comments as to why Bitcoin is so terrible. And and I have to say, I have to say when when I was a when I was a shit coiner and even before that, when I was a no coiner, uh, I used to think that these things made sense. So th this is this is amusing for me, and it's great to come full circle. So here we go, George Stolfi. Okay, this this is a this is a. Uh it doesn't matter about the main part of the retweet, but let's just focus on what he said. He goes, this is about Bitcoin. Every computer science, every computer scientist should be able to see that cryptocurrencies are totally dysfunctional payment systems and that blockchain technology, including smart contracts, is a technological fraud. Now, granted, I can't argue with him about whether something should be a token or not. OK, when it comes to a lot of these utility coins, um, but make no mistake, Bitcoin definitely has proven its worth and as we've shown it's got very desirable qualities in terms in terms of money and in terms of store value in terms of transferability and in terms of government censorship resistance anyways so george stolfi is one of our copers let's move on to some other cope here we go this is one of the narratives i fell for okay when uh, when I first got into the space, this is a programmer uh, at Seher CPP, okay, and C plus plus programming. So for the people who don't know, that's a basic programming language, a very old programming language that is very robust. Anyways, so he is responding back to Walker, asking him if he read the article about Bitcoin that he suggested. He goes, now he goes, don't waste my time. He goes, I write code for a living and understand BTC technology. It's all garbage and horse manure. Hmm. It's quite the cope right there. So I, I love that aspect, by the way, the I write code. I, I worked with engineers and I got that excuse as well. I, I write code. So because they write code, they know that Bitcoin can't work. And believe me, my one of my original one of my original copiums was I come from the networking space. I come from network administration. So I understand the tech. So I know that better tech will win. Now, that was all wrong. OK, that was all wrong because that what that leads to is shitcoining. Anyways, anyways, unfortunately for Walker, he got blocked. 
that was too bad. That, that was really too bad. Anyways, let's continue on. Here we go. This is some of my favorite FUD. This is, Nico, you may be really interested by this. I did not know that Bitcoin was responsible for a few things. Not just ransomware, but apparently we're involved with fentanyl. All right, here we go. So here is a, here's a retweet. Bitcoin has done far more harm in proportion to its user base. It created, this is hilarious, okay? It created the ransomware epidemic. Tens of billions of dollars of damages and greatly expanded the drug by mail market, including thousands of deaths by fentanyl overdoses. Okay. So I just want to point out to the people who, who were, were born before the year two, uh, you know, before the year 2000. So for those of us who have been on the internet from the beginning, ransomware is nothing new. Ransomware has always been there. Okay. Before they just had you go to Western Union. Okay, that's all. It doesn't make a difference. Like, it's not the medium of payment. It's not like all of a sudden there's Bitcoin and boom, everybody's doing ransomware. No, no. This was always here. Okay. And the rise of fentanyl has absolutely nothing to do with Bitcoin or the by mail drugs. This is anyways, this is complete copium, total, total nonsense. And I just think it's absolutely funny. All right, let's continue on here. We're going to finish it up with our last comment from this. All right, this is the last piece to this. This is a tweet by Mike Voorhees. I don't know who that is. Anyways, it doesn't make a difference. The public ledger, okay, will be very useless with Lightning. And I prefer public money that uses a private database. What? Public money that uses a private database. Okay, so people don't know what I own and what I buy. Yes, Bitcoin comes with high fees, uses more energy than generated by the sun, and comes with government surveillance. Anyways, so look, this is an entire thread that he is that that Walker is building of complete no coiner nonsense. And that last one, I don't understand where they get this now. So look, David, maybe uh, I, I remember you put out. Um, this great paper uh, dispelling and essentially clarifying a lot of the the, the Bitcoin energy use. So I, I just want to make sure that that I understood that um, uses more energy than generated by the sun. So that didn't make much sense to me. Is that are we even close? So you, Bitcoin is somehow using more energy than the energy that's generated by the sun. I don't know if you can help our listeners out a little bit. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and and that's it. That's awesome. Okay, um, let me ask you this. Um, how, let's try to explain, I guess, Bitcoin's energy. Because to me, I think that is the biggest FUD point, right, that, that people come back to over and over again. And we always try to explain it. Bitcoin uses increased energy indeed but what is the what is the what in your eyes is the value proposition of bitcoin using all of that energy to secure its its ledger its blockchain yeah well i think where you have to start is by recognizing that the the framing around bitcoin and crypto's uses usage of energy is really bad Right, because essentially what the critics and what the mainstream media have done is said any conversation about crypto or any conversation about Bitcoin must be framed in terms of its environmental impact, when in fact the opposite is true. Right, any conversation about Bitcoin's environmental impact has to be framed in context of its benefits. And so that's like just number one. If you're reading an article that's talking about why Bitcoin is bad for the environment, that doesn't at least attempt to make the case for the value that Bitcoin can provide, you can pretty much write off that source that you're reading as just like utter propaganda. Because of course, if something has no utility and no value, it doesn't really matter how much energy it uses. Any energy that's used by something that creates zero value is of course a waste. So I think you've got to start by just flipping the conversation on its head and saying, do you understand the value that Bitcoin provides to its users, to the United States, and to like the world at large? And if you can reach some relative consensus about what those values are, uh, then you can start asking the question, you know, does this use too much energy? So that, then you get to point number two, 
which is that Bitcoin's value is inherently tied to its in, to its consensus mechanism, like proof of work. And, uh, uh, you know, people say, you know, proof of work is the innovation. And so what you see is people like Greenpeace and Chris Larson and the Ripple folks who say you can get all the same benefits of Bitcoin uh, as long as you uh, switch to proof of stake. Uh, you know, you, you can get all of those benefits uh, and just reduce energy consumption by 99%. Uh, again, if you hear someone making that argument without acknowledging that A, Bitcoin isn't going to switch consensus mechanisms, and B, uh, that those two things are not interchangeable, again, it's a really good sign that you're being lied to. Uh, I think that the most generous and fair way to explain it would be to suggest that Bitcoin, or, or rather that proof of work and proof of stake are, let's just say, distinct technologies with distinct aims, right? Like if I'm speaking to a policymaker, I may not go on a rant about like why I think proof of stake is fundamentally flawed and bad. But what I will do is say these aren't the same thing. They're solving for very different things. And you can't just kind of assume that they can trade in and out. And then what I would say is that the two biggest differences between proof of stake and proof of work are fairness and security, right? Uh, the amount of Bitcoin that you own has no effect on your ability to control the network, to order transactions, to put new transactions on a block. And proof of stake is the opposite. You know, whereas in Bitcoin, the amount of Bitcoin you hold affords you no particular control. In a proof of stake network, the amount of the staked asset that you give uh, in turn gives you more of that native asset for staking it, which in turn gives you more power. So wealth compounds, as does the ability to sort of influence the network, decide which transactions appear on the next block. And so you get a system that, you know, whether or not it works, isn't good, right? Like there's no part of a system that just says, oh, if you start off with more money, you are mathematically guaranteed to perpetually make more money that's attractive to anyone except someone who's in the top 1% already. Uh, so that's kind of the, 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 the fairness piece. And there's more that you could get into there. But th then you get into the security piece. Uh, you know, in order for you know, Bitcoin to be meaningfully disrupted, you'd have to control over 50% of the hash rate. Uh, meanwhile, with uh, and so an example would be, you know, you saw China ban and it really could the network could still run even if it lost like 90 something percent of its hash rate. So you see China ban mining. Uh, it loses half of its computational power and TikTok next block. Nothing matters with Bitcoin. It's it's fine. You compare that to proof of stake where you see that, you know, uh, uh, if more than 33 percent of its validators go offline, uh, the entire network shuts down, which means that proof of stake is particularly vulnerable to attacks, to Internet outages. Uh, I mean, already this year. Uh, you saw Polygon have an 11 hour outage. You saw Solana go, or a four hour outage. You saw Solana have an 11, 11 hour outage in January. And then just in March, Solana had six outages. And then yesterday, Solana had another one. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, like there are so many sort of people who have written at length uh, about the fundamental issues with proof of stake. Now, I'm not a computer scientist. And so I think the claim that I would be very comfortable making that it's again, a kind of moderate middle ground perspective uh, is that they're not interchangeable, that proof of work is what makes Bitcoin valuable and what makes Bitcoin Bitcoin. And then if you're going to suggest that Bitcoin switch to proof of stake, you've got to recognize that A, there's no company that you can lobby and go ask to do that. It's probably not going to happen. And B, you need to recognize that you're basically giving up the fundamental properties that make Bitcoin a good global money. And then the question you ask yourself is, you know, if I'm making a transaction, whether it's buying groceries or, you know, uh, executing a financial trade, do I want to live in a world in which, you know, an internet outage can stop money from working? And I think the answer is pretty obviously no. Yeah, but, oh, sorry. I just want to, I just want to add about the, the internet, the internet piece, because I always find that super funny, right? If the whole internet around the world goes out, do we really care about Bitcoin? Like, forget about even the internet, right? Like, I always hear these arguments from the no, from, from no coiners. Well, what happens if there's no electricity? Like, do you really think that all you're worrying about at that point is that there's no money? Like, do you really think that it's your credit card that's the problem? Like, this is, this is what I don't understand. Like, these people need the end of the freaking world. They need to be in a cave to be like, you see? Bitcoin failed. I couldn't use it in my cave. It's like... 
You know what? There's way bigger problems at that point. I am not worried about Bitcoin anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's like but saying but honestly, that, awesome answer. That's like saying that a lifeboat isn't hurricane rated. You know, <laughs> like all right, sorry if a hurricane capsizes our boat. Like yes, the lifeboat's not going to work. But that you know, your problem won't be that. Your problem will be that you're drowning. Like <laughs> it's the same thing. Oh gosh, it's ridiculous. And I, I'm sorry. I just just one last thing, Nico. Um, so there was there was one last tweet from from a uh, from a gentleman um, named Stephen Deal. Okay, now for the for the people who for the people who know, uh, uh, he blocked me. Oh, he blocked you. Yeah, Stephen. So keep in mind these are screenshots. I was blocked a long time ago. Um, look, he is an avid no coiner. Hates Bitcoin. Now. I saw this guy when I first got into BT, so he's been here for a long time, which means he has had plenty of time to learn about Bitcoin and understand it. But he is not incentivized to. Okay? He is not incentivized to. Here we go. Today, the global community of technologists sent a letter to Congress urging them to resist the crypto industry's lobbying influence. The letter was signed by some of the most respected scholars and technologists in our field. And now we need your help. None of us are better than our incentives. Just remember that. None of us are better than our incentives. And here we go. Stephen Deal, a joint CTO, is actually helping to build, quote unquote, the next generation of <laughs> distributed ledgers. So again, right? Bitcoin we, bad. My shitcoin good. Okay. So right there, the icing on the cake. These guys, they sit there and they, they preach how Bitcoin is terrible. It's terrible. The government's going to stop it. But I've got this shitcoin. So, nope. They don't get to win. Oh man! It, it, look, first of all, I, 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 hate is a really strong word, so I don't <laughs> like to use that word ever. Um, I, I, I strongly dislike that guy. Um, uh, the pomp. Uh, he dislikes he, us. He, he disables the comments, right? So he's not open for the bait. It's like my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. Now I'm kind of, I want to double back to. Um, the comments about the no coiners. Um, I think that's a point of education. I, you know, I, I think it's a coping mechanism. Think about it. Look, at the end of the day, the human, the human ego is real. Envy is real, right? Um, and if you see, you know, this twenty-year-old kid that put in half the work that you put in your entire life, because you know you're in the, you're in the, you're part of the whole fiat system, and you believe in the four hundred one k and all that stuff. You see this twenty-year-old kid. And he just invested a couple hundred dollars in Bitcoin when, you know, five, ten years ago, and all of a sudden he has this fortune is in in you know in in his hands. Uh, it, it, that's a very hard pill to swallow, and you, you see this with Peter Schiff. He's admitted it. He's like, I wish I invested in Bitcoin, but now it's too late. So therefore, now I must hate it, right? So I think there's, I think envy plays a role. I think um, I think it's a matter of education, and most importantly. These people live in, in a country with financial privilege. Remember, because at the end of the day, what I've what I've learned, I've been doing this for six years. What I've learned is that people in Western countries, right, that don't need Bitcoin because they have this false illusion that they have a stable currency. In reality, it's stealing from them ever so slightly. Um, they're just not incentivized to understand something like Bitcoin, but. If you talk to a Venezuelan, you talk to someone in Turkey, you talk to someone in Lebanon, you talk to someone in Argentina. Oh man, a, a non-government currency that can't be debased or uh, uh, and is hard to confiscate. Where do I sign up? That's the first thing that they will tell you. They will want to learn, right? So again, I think it's an education. I think it's financial privilege, right? I think it's a, it's it's a variety of components. I still haven't lost faith in these people. I, I still fight for these people. I still oh. want them to come to our side. I've, I've lost faith in Stephen Deal. I mean, the, the <laughs> no, he's 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 a lost cause. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> let, let, let me do a quick like Stephen Deal rant. So he has been the CTO of a private blockchain company since 2015. This guy's startup uses cryptography and systems research that's done by the same people that he says are like scammers and grifters to power all of their core products. Like literally you can go on GitHub and see like uh, uh, the, the massive percentage of their work is either directly forked from work that people in like the blockchain space have done uh, like bulletproofs uh, or is like either directly benefiting from R and D being done on things like arithmetic circuits, you know, zero knowledge roll-ups 
Uh, and not that that's bad necessarily, but like this dude is saying blockchain is evil and then using when none of that stuff would his core products wouldn't exist without the industry. And then he's turning around and and yeah, I mean, he wants to discredit the public blockchains. Look, like long, long story short, Stephen Deal wants to discredit Bitcoin. He wants to discredit public blockchains so that people are forced into using his private blockchain controlled by, you know, presumably multinational corporations. And, and he's trying to tell you with a straight face that you're the immoral one for advocating for a decentralized, permissionless blockchain. Like, sorry, Stephen Deal, I don't appoint you to be the new like financier and like, you know, market maker and money controller for the whole world. I'm sorry that offends you so badly. Get on with your life. But I mean, yeah, the, the level of sort of uh, just intellectual dishonesty from him and oh. sort of the moralizing, condescending tone that he takes uh, I'm I'm pretty glad he blocked me. Actually, I, I think my life has materially improved. No longer. <laughs> oh yeah. Timeline. Well, oh, David, dude, no doubt. To him, you are you definitely sound like a right wing extremist that peddles misinformation. One hundred percent. And those freedom maximalists. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Phil, it's time for the Daily Meme Review. Brought to you by Citadel 21. They make the best Bitcoin cultural zine. It's stories, comics, articles by actual Bitcoiners. Every volume has different artwork by a Bitcoiner. This is the artwork for volume 10. This is the artwork for volume 2. And this is the artwork for volume 11. This one is the latest drop. And they're scarce. There's only a thousand physical copies made per volume. So get your physical copy of Citadel 21 today before they run out. Welcome to the Bitcoin Meme Review, where we review Bitcoin memes. Bitcoin memes play an essential role in this narrative trench warfare that's being fought hand-to-hand in the battlegrounds of the internet. If tweets are bullets, memes are freaking artillery. Anyways, let's get to it. First, it's not really a meme. But I think this is a good video. It's a famous video. I don't think Naive Naive Meme uh, came up with it. By the way, amazing account. Highly recommend it. Makes some of the best memes in the business. Uh, not as good as the Meme Factory that doesn't exist. But anyways, let's check it out. Uh, it's a pretty good meme. It's a pretty good video because it's important. Remember, guys, low time preference, and it's important to zoom out. Let me disable the volume just in case it has music. And there we go. If you zoom out, NGU technology is doing its thing, right? So that's that's a good thing. It's not really a meme, more of information, but eh, ser- serves I just thought it same, was a cool vid. Serves the same function. Anyways, next meme by Ding Dong. Interesting name. Fuck shit coins. Don't trade. Just hodl, hodl. And that is actually Atlas. what's what that's Atlas, and he's the that's the Greeks believed was holding. That's a shitty job. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Uh, inflation too high, so you have to work extra hours, IRS. <laughs> Very good. All right. It's not a good meme unless we get a chuckle out of David. All right. Next one by Rave Elevator. Bitcoin. When New York mi- and when New York is around, I stop mining. But when New York leaves, I'd be mining again. Shut it down. Hmm. Okay. It's good. It's good. Um, haha. Margin call. Told you so. <laughs> I just pictured no, we, no, we gotta laugh. We gotta laugh out of David. And I, when I look at this, I just hear there is no second best. There is no second best. Okay, uh, moving up. It's going up forever. It's true. Those two lines is all you hear. Michael he say anything else. Michael Saylor did the full progression, right? The full no. progression. The stack sell everything to stack more Bitcoin at the end. The margin call, and then the correction in the market. And now he's earning his Bitcoin strikes, stripes. Anyways, uh, here's Tony Hoddle. Uh, dot Hoddle. Dad, when did you do? What did you do while regards were getting rug pulled? I was stacking sats. Effing legend. <laughs> Very good. It. This is Very a great good. template. It's a good template. Uh, last one by Solomon. Thank you for posting it in the Telegram uh, uh, chat, by the way. What if I told you that Bitcoin was legal tender all along? Hell yes. Some really interesting things about legal tender laws, by the way, because uh, I did some research on this. The last two times legal tender laws were passed in the U.S., check this out, was back in the early 1930s. 
when FDR made it illegal for American citizens to hold gold. And the second time uh, meaningful legal tender legislation was passed in the U.S. was in 1970. What was it? What, what happened in 1971? Oh, WTF happened in 1970. What did happen? WTF happened. Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard. So it's a coincidence that the last two times legal tender laws were pushed was when the U.S. government was trying for you to get rid of your sound money, which was gold at the time, and give you back a shitcoin, paper money. <laughs> How interesting is that? Um, it's almost as if it's money by decree. But anyways, for those memes, Phil, I'm going to give it. I'm not going to give it the MK4 yet. I'm saving that score for later. But I'm giving it the USB-C no data cable. And the little uh, plugins for the cold card. Yeah, if you know, you know. So it That's... arrived is what you're saying. Oh, I have them. I have them. Anyways, David wants to show a score. Yeah. David. All right. Uh, after careful consideration, the judge's score is back. I give it Neon Universal Gaslighter Refill. <sighs> wow. Very, very. I love, I love to grill. I said it publicly, and, I, and I'm not ashamed of it. I like that, to grill. That's a highly accredited score. Highly regarded. Highly regarded. Uh, Phil, what would you give those uh, those memes? It's going to be very difficult for me to follow the, the, the heels of those scores, but for these memes, I am going to give it this finished cup of Nespresso coffee. That's right. Finished. Very, very, actually, very interesting. Very good scores today. Anyways, guys, we want to know if you agree with our scores, you disagree. Let us know down in the comments section. Comment, comment, comment. Helps with the mysterious YouTube algorithm. Make sure to join our awesome Telegram group. It's a party in there where you could link us Bitcoin memes to review so we could review them on the meme review. And make sure to subscribe to us on alternative video platforms like Rumble.com and our personal favorite, BitcoinTV.com. They don't censor there because it's Bitcoin TV. But anyways, Phil, it's time for the Daily News. Brought to you by CryptoCloaks.com. They make some of the best 3D printed Bitcoin merch, like the famous 3D printed Bitcoin grenade toy. Comes in any custom color your heart desires. This just happens to be in simply Bitcoin colors. Because Simply Bitcoin is awesome. But you want it in gold? They also make it in gold. Peter Schiff colors. You know this pisses Peter Schiff off because it has a Bitcoin logo. And they also make the famous 3D printed Bitcoin honey badger. It has a convenient little drawer where you put your favorite hardware wallet in there. Anyways, you can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 5% off CryptoCloaks.com. All right, guys, before I get into this, you guys know the deal. We are apolitical on Simply Bitcoin. We don't lean left. We don't lean right. We don't stand for either political party. What we want is hyper-Bitcoinization. So if a Democrat candidate is supporting Bitcoin in the United States, we support them. If a Republican candidate is supporting Bitcoin in the United States, we support them too. Um, but it just happens to be that the Republican Party happens to be the opposition party, so they're using anything and everything to go after the Democrats. That being said, that doesn't mean that there's some signal here. Let me put it together, and I'm really interested to hear what David's thoughts are on this. So this is the Energy Secretary, and let's see what she had to say. Ultimately, this price hike that we are seeing globally will likely remain high. And so we, we, we want to make sure that at the same time as we are calling upon an increase in supply, that we are also accelerating our future to clean energy solutions. Okay. So keep that in mind, right? Now, moving on. Uh, so I'm going to get to this because David did actually have an official response. But um, so... You're hearing this, right? You hear this from the energy secretary, this push, this clear push by the Biden administration for clean energy. What does that mean? Um, anyways, uh, they also added a policing force. This is absolutely crazy. Justice Department launches new Office of Environmental Justice Enforcement Strategy. The DHS is a law enforcement agency, people with guns, and the people with guns are apparently going to have power. Um, anyways, uh, moving on, uh, this is the big news for today. Uh, the reason I went over those 
previous things, guys, is because I want you guys to connect the dots. Like, you guys know the drill here on Simply Bitcoin. Anyways, this is the big news by Bloomberg Law. Uh, the Biden administration is teeing up policy recommendations to lower crypto uh, cryptocurrency mining energy's consumption and emissions footprint, making its first major foray into a poorly understood industry that, criti that critics says threatens U.S. climate goals and strains the power grid. It's important, this is a quote, it's important if this is going to be part of our financial system in any meaningful way that it's developed responsibly and minimizes total emissions. Uh, Costa Samara's principal assistant director for energy for the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy told Bloomberg Law, when we think about digital assets, it has to be a climate and energy conversation. All right, moving down. The energy intensive. So this is already kind of setting a frame. Remember what I told you guys, how they set the frame, how they do the narratives, right? Look at how the sentence starts off. The energy intensive process of mining, com com completing and verifying transactions of Bitcoin, Ethereum and other decentralized digital tokens is hitting an electric sector already facing a cascade of demands from extreme weather, aging wires, a shift to renewable energy and a push to electrified transportation. Now, here's the curious thing. Once again, check it out. The team plans to assess everything from local noise pollution to the energy efficiency of using different mining techniques, comparing Bitcoin's proof of work technique with proof of stake. Oh, look at that, which is used by other cryptocurrencies and is more than 99% more energy efficient. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up, right, is that once again, a critique of Bitcoin and Bitcoin's energy use they always offer the proof of stake alternative. And you know what? Nico has picked up on this and I have actually been keeping record of this, right? And I said this was back in April 20, uh, 21st. Have you noticed that every single new political attack on Bitcoin's proof of work always mentions that proof of stake is a better solution? This article is no different. This is without a doubt, of course, this is my opinion. This is without a doubt a, a coordinated worldwide effort to stop proof of work. And again, also simply Bitcoin kind of edgy opinion because it's the only thing they cannot control, right? And here, look, I have I have the receipts, the infamous Humph, uh, Huffman letter, which by the way, we got Huffman to reply to the Simply Bitcoin account. We got under his skin. Here is the infamous cleaning up cryptocurrency, right? Again, remember what I told you guys about setting up the frame. The name of the, of the committee literally is called cleaning up cryptocurrency as if it was dirty in the first place. Um, EU, same thing. They tried to ban proof of work. Um, again, new, uh, in proof, uh, in New York state, right. And we all, we obviously know the world economic forum, how they feel about Bitcoin and uh, a New York times article as well. Right now, what's really interesting though. And, and this is, this is why I want to get David's thoughts on this are is in Norway, a hundred percent of Bitcoin mining is powered by renewable energy. But there are certain political parties in Norway that still wanted to ban proof of work, which kind of contradicts each other, right? Because you were for the environment, right? It was about bad energy, about fossil fuels, about all this stuff. But 98% of Norway's energy comes from renewable uh, uh, resources. 100% of Bitcoin mining energy usage in Norway comes from renewable resources. But certain political parties still wanted to ban it. And the same ideological political parties wanted to ban it in Europe. And the same ideological political parties have very successfully gotten very far in New York state to also ban proof of work. And why is it that every single time you see a statement, whether it's in the Senate committee, whether it's in Norway, whether it's in Europe, whether it's the recent announcement, whether it's this recent article by Bloomberg law, they always mention proof of stake. It never fails. And unfortunately for them, Nico keeps the receipts. So David, what are your thoughts on this? 
again, we've been covering this every day. We're Bitcoiners, so we always feel like we're under attack. They want to control us. Are, are, are we... What's going on here, man? You... Let me, let me give a little bit of preface of who David is, okay? This is the first thing that I told him on a phone call when I heard he was, uh, was going to uh, undertake this major undertaking. I said, David, good luck, my friend. You're going to need it. Simply Bitcoin is in the vanguard. We're like three people deep. David is in the blunt. He is, he is, he is, uh, he is debunking the actual misinformation. Here's the official response. Let me give you guys a little bit of credit. Um, but I actually want you to say it rather than me reading this. So you guys are obviously, you know, doing your research. We had, um, we had Jin on the show the other day as well. We asked her very similar questions. Shout out to her. She's awesome. Um, so you guys are on top of this, but this was written may 10th and you guys you know sent this to the same office of science and technology but it looks like they don't excuse my language give two flying fucks so what is going on here david why are we yeah. under attack what is going on <laughs> yeah so i think the article today is basically a nothing burger uh you know nothing new like this is all information that we've had so the by just a quick timeline Biden administration comes out a couple of months ago and says, you know, here are all of these questions we have about cryptocurrency. They assign different agencies in the executive, different baskets of questions. And then they say, all right, take public comment for this amount of time, work on these reports for this amount of time. And then by this deadline, you know, give us a report that has the facts about this particular issue. So, you know, I know Bitcoin Magazine tweeted out, you know, the quote from that article that said, you know, policy is coming. Uh, we're, we're like far off from that. Like the, these are not like the office, the OSTP is not, and they're not necessarily making policy. Um, what they are doing is sort of amalgamating information and research that if policymakers choose to put their focus there would sort of form the basis or the research that's used in the, the crafting of those policies. So I think there are a couple of things worth noting from the article. Uh, I would say that the Costa or Costa guy, uh, you know, at least acknowledged uh, in one of the quotes that there are trade-offs between proof of work and proof of stake with regard to security. And that's definitely an angle that we're going to continue like pushing. I think we're going to try to have a meeting with some of the staffers in the OSTP uh, as far as the white paper we sent them, you know, I don't know how much that influenced uh, the comments that you saw in that article today, but I mean, it wasn't really news. We sort of knew that, yeah, they're going to put this report out in a couple of months or a couple of weeks, and uh, it's going to find whatever it's going to find. Uh, the, the other only other piece that I would note is that, uh, you know, this to my point earlier, this guy does have the order of operations backwards, right? He's saying that a conversation about emissions needs to frame any subsequent conversation about crypto, when in reality, uh, a discussion about Bitcoin's value has to frame any conversation about proof of works energy usage. To your other question about this sort of coordinated attack and mentioning of proof of stake, uh, look, man, uh, the reason they bring up proof of stake every time, I think that's a win because I think it's a tacit like uh, uh, admission of the fact that there is some value that Bitcoin provides that needs to be replaced. If they didn't think that Bitcoin and didn't know that people knew that Bitcoin was providing this unique value to the world, why would they care about what we'd replace it with? So it's funny that these people will sometimes tell you this is all vaporware. There's no value here. Uh, uh, if that's the case, then why are they then in turn saying, oh, but don't worry, we can switch it to proof of stake. So if you're worried about what we're going to switch it to, the, the consensus mechanism, then you're admitting tacitly uh, that there's value there that needs to be replaced. Uh, look, th there's no coherence or logic to some of the climate arguments about Bitcoin. Like, let me just fast give you a couple of facts and you'll realize that uh, uh, none of it makes any sense. So just speed round. Fact number one, the readily harvestable energy, wind energy in the Great Plains alone could power the Bitcoin network 18 times over. Done. Fact number two, Bitcoin is more renewable than any other industry in the United States, period. Fact number three, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, uh, research from 2021 found that, and I'm going to pull up the quote here to make sure I don't get it wrong, uh, found that 
Bitcoin's carbon emissions are low compared to its market value, implying that Bitcoin is characterized by a lower carbon intensity than the average asset in the typical equities portfolio. Those researchers go on to conclude that if you add Bitcoin to a portfolio of equities and bonds, you will decrease the carbon intensity of your portfolio on net. So, you know, anytime someone says Bitcoin is bad for the environment, ask them if they own stocks because they're hurting the environment more. <laughs> the, the, the fourth fact uh, is that, you know, Bitcoin uses about as much energy as uh, 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 global uh, uh, clothes dryers, like every single year. Uh, it's essentially like negligible. Uh, and so when you sort of take all of these facts together, uh, what you realize is that, you know, they're never really going for logical consistency. They keep moving the goalposts, like you said, you know, oh, it needs to use 50% renewable. Then it needs to use 100% renewable. Then it needs to, oh, well, sorry, uh, even though we're using all renewable uh, in Norway, they're still going to ban it because they're going to come around and say that energy is scarce and that that precious renewable energy needs to be spent, I guess, powering porn data centers, right? Like who, who's out there talking about how much energy we spend literally hosting like uh, uh, internet porn? It's massive amounts of energy, but you don't have like watchdog groups going and saying that, you know, the porn industry does or does not deserve a certain amount of fossil fuels to power its data centers. And so when you realize that this stuff is all just a, a kind of a farce, that it's all exaggerated misinformation and that there's no logical consistency, the point that I would drive home is that you have to understand the value of Bitcoin. If you don't think that Bitcoin has value, you're going to think it uses too much energy. If you, if you understand that Bitcoin does have value and you, you understand the specific benefits that it brings to the world, then energy is going to be the last thing on your mind. If anything, you'll be asking for it to use more energy. Uh, and so you've got to start there. Like uh, the climate stuff is important. Yeah, we do a lot of research uh, on the climate implications of Bitcoin. And some of our experts have even come to the conclusion that Bitcoin may help build out renewable energy infrastructure. Uh, and, you know, is that going to persuade the people who are, you know, fundamentally against Bitcoin? No. But I do hope that that stuff will persuade the people who genuinely do care about emissions that, like in a lot of things, Bitcoin makes the world a better place. And one way that it makes the world a better place is the environment. So, yeah, you got to start with Bitcoin's value, though. If you concede this framing of we have to settle the energy issue first, we're never going to win and we're never going to get anywhere. That's why our report that we sent to the OSTP starts with a breakdown of why Bitcoin is good for the world. Because once you understand that, then you can make a decision about how much energy it uses. By the way, the report is going to be down in the description, like always. Um, so, David, I'm going to ask you a question that I asked Jin and I asked Natalie Burnell. Natalie Burnell gave a political answer. Um, are they against Bitcoin because they cannot control it? We fundamentally believe it's simply Bitcoin after covering this on a day-by-day -day basis. Um, and how it's transpired, you start connecting the dots, you see that this is a coordinated effort without a doubt. Um, and then you, and then in my belief, once I saw Norway, once I saw Norway, the fact that they still wanted to ban it, even though 100% of the mining was coming from renewable energy, made me come to the conclusion, of course, there's no way to confirm this. This is my speculation. I believe Phil as well. Um, that they just don't like it because it's something they can't control in a proof-of-stake system. The one that they are pushing is a system, in my belief, we are in a proof-of-stake system today, is a system that they can manipulate, they can control. Um, so what is your belief on that? Is that a hard question for you to answer? Yeah, it is. Cause I don't really know if there's a, they, like, I think that, you know, there are plenty of people who have extreme political motivations to be against Bitcoin. Uh, you know, the types of people that you're sort of referring to who recognize fundamentally that this strips from them some power that they previously had, or more likely uh, protects some power that Americans were always guaranteed that they want to undemocratically and silently take away, 
right? Uh, there's no mention of the word privacy in the U.S. Constitution uh, because people thought, oh, I guess the Fourth Amendment will cover it. But one of the assumptions underlying that, you know, social contract was that we use cash for payments. Nowhere could the founding fathers have ever imagined a possibility that every transaction that occurs in the country would be logged into a centralized repository. And so when people say, oh, we're just moving to CBDCs, we're moving to e-cash, don't worry about it. What they're actually asking you to do is sit silently as an implicit, not, not an enumerated one, but an implicit right of the government uh, that you were given by the government is like taken away. The premise of this agreement was that we got to use cash. And I think Bitcoin preserves that. And so, yes, I think there's a basket of people who will never believe that Bitcoin is good, who will always sort of uh, find some new reason or goalpost to shift. Uh, and I think that there are also people who just don't get it. Like there are people who have a hard time understanding and appreciating new technology. Uh, and I, I actually sympathize with a lot of those people. I mean, the promise of big tech, you know, over the last like two decades was we're going to make the world a better place. Just trust Amazon and Facebook and Microsoft and Google, and we'll have our like cool aesthetic websites and our Silicon Valley like VC money, and we will save the world. And then, you know, we got rugged. Like all of these companies just took our data, made us addicted to our phones, sold that addiction to companies and put us in like an endless cycle of like, frankly, misery. Uh, so yeah, big tech made us a lot of big promises and failed in a really big way. And I think the people that, I, I would be remiss to not mention that I think a lot of people are skeptical of Bitcoin because they've been told by grifters before that tech is going to save them and it wound up not. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think my answer is it is a tough question to answer. I think there are people who meet the conditions that you're describing. Not much you can do about that. But I am very interested in the good faith, well-intentioned people who have fairly reasonable objections or skepticisms or questions about Bitcoin who are willing to like engage in good faith. Because it's those people that we can orange bill. It's those people that we can show the promise of Bitcoin. And, you know, if the distribution of Bitcoin critics and Bitcoin supporters reflected uh, who, you know, who's sort of politically motivated for this technology to exist, I think it would really demonstrate your point because it would be sort of undemocratic, uh, unaccountable uh, uh, monetary bureaucrats uh, and people like the IMF who've leveraged their monopoly over global finance to uh, essentially be dictators of the world for the last 40 or 50 years. Uh, on one side, and then basically everyone else in the world on the other. <laughs> so, you know, there's nothing we can do about that first group. Like, uh, you know, power doesn't cede power easily. Uh, but, you know, I think Bitcoin will on net make the world a better place. And all we have to do is just get more people to realize that. Absolutely. And I, and I completely agree with your, your sentiment. I think that the vast majority of people that are against Bitcoin are uninformed or they have bought into the very, very, very intelligent, hardcore, strategic propaganda that is being pushed by uh, the monetary elites, so to speak, that, uh, that again, they, they have a lot to lose. More so, not so much on the monetary side, but more so on the power side. Um, and I think that they're, you know, and, and the, the latest example of this was the XRP guy, um, you know, paying uh, $5 million, uh, I would like to say for Bitcoin development, because if it doesn't kill Bitcoin, makes it stronger. Uh, but no, in, in reality, it was uh, it was $5 million to pay for marketing to change the code. Okay, that for that was a good fork it, fork it, bro. But he can't fork it. What he wants to use is he wants to use the power of government to try to force a thing, but sucks for you, Bitcoin doesn't work that way. Anyways, Phil, why don't you close it up, my friend? Oh, all right. That was a tough one. That was definitely tough. Um, look, I, I think I think that the only piece the only piece that I can say is doing your laundry bad, equities bad, Bitcoin very good. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's because David said it so much better. Anything I would say is just ruining it. So. <laughs> That's the cherry on top. Anyways, Phil, there was an open source software release today. Why don't you tell everybody about it? Software releases. Right, oh, David. no, wait. Wait, let me redo. Sorry. 
plebsites. Brought to you by CypherSafe. Check them out. CypherSafe.io. Paper is dead. That's right. Said it yesterday. Saying it again today. Store your seed in the all-new Cypher wheel or the Cypher grid. They both come with a tamper-resistant wire and the grid comes with a punch tool. Shout out to Darth Coin from our Telegram group. He's the one that he's the one that told us about this. This is the NodeRunners.network and this is an awesome Bitcoin resource with all kinds they literally have every single freaking Bitcoin podcast listed. And that's right, Nico, we're listed too. Simply Bitcoin is listed. Now you can tell this is a site by plebs. How do you know? Let's scroll down. Node Runners is a project of 21 toxic Bitcoin maximalists and is always under development. When you don't agree with any of the content or with our policy, please give us a call on 1-800-CRY. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. So don't forget to check them out. It's a great website, nodrunners.network. The link is going to be in the show notes. And guys, don't forget to check us out on our audio-only platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Anchor. If you want to stream a sats, check us out on fountain.fm. You could stream a sats through Breeze. Awesome. Thank you, Phil. All right, guys, before we go, I want to give a very quick shout out to our awesome clothing sponsor. Phil and I wear the hoodies every single day, represent ltd.com. They're dropping Bitcoin merch, simply Bitcoin merch, very soon. And good news, you can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 10% off anything off the represent ltd.com store. I also want to give a very special shout out to someone who's fighting very hard on the front lines in the swamp of Washington DC and I also want to give a very shout out a very special shout out to his organization the Bitcoin Policy Institute you guys donate these are the people fighting on the front lines this is the lobbying effort of Bitcoin definitely also give David a follow at David Zell underscore on Twitter the Bitcoin Policy Institute was created because, or this is my belief, David, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, at the, the Treasury snuck in a provision that could have been potentially catastrophic for the Bitcoin industry uh, last year during the infrastructure bill. And what we saw, and look, as much as I like Jerry Brito, Coin Center, great guys, unfortunately, they don't cover just Bitcoin. They cover Bitcoin and altcoins. So sometimes the the incentives don't align, right? Um, Bitcoin Policy Institute focuses solely on Bitcoin, right? And it is, I can't get into the details, but it is supported by a lot of powerful people in the industry as well. So definitely go check them out. David, thank you so much for coming on. Anyways, guys, that was the show. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Smash that like button. And of course, if you want to continue hearing the Bitcoin news from the plea pleb perspective and the catastrophic fails from the same perspective, definitely consider subscribing to Simply Bitcoin. Guys, I'm freaking exhausted. I have to go to Tennessee next week. I'm taking a break tomorrow. I don't care. Sucks, but we'll still be releasing content next video on Monday, I guess. See you guys later. Every no-coiner is a Bitcoiner to be. They just don't know it yet.